Uh, good morning. Let's begin. Psalms 29. Acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings. Acknowledge the Lord's majesty and power. Acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. The Lord's shout is heard over the water. The majestic God thunders. The Lord appears over the surging water. The Lord's shout is powerful. The Lord's shout is majestic. The Lord's shout breaks the cedars. Lord, shatter the cedars of Lebanon. Make Lebanon skip like a calf and Sarion like a young ox. The Lord's shout strikes with flaming fire. The Lord's shout shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord's shout bends the large trees and strips the leaves from the forest. Everyone in the temple, say glory. Let everyone in the temple say glory. We say majestic are you, Lord, and glorious are you, Lord. Lord sits enthroned on the engulfing waters. The Lord sits enthroned as the eternal king. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord grants his people security. beginning God created the heavens and the earth now the earth was without shape and empty and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep but the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water and God said let there be light and there was light God saw that the light was good, and so God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning, marking out the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate water from water. And so God made the expanse. And he separated the water during the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. And God called this expanse the sky. 
and there was evening and there was morning a second day and God said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear and it was so and God called the dry ground land and he gathered the waters and he called seas and God saw that it was good and God said let the land purchase produce vegetation and let the plants yield seeds according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed and according to its kind and it was so and the land produced vegetation and plants yielding seeds according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds and God saw that it was good there was evening and there was morning a third day God said let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let there be signs to indicate seasons and days and years and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night and he made the stars also and God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth and to preside over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and he called that the evening and there was morning a fourth day God said let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky and God created the great sea creatures and every living and moving thing which the water swarm According to their kinds and every winged bird according to his kind and God saw that it was good and God blessed them and he said be fruitful and multiply and fill the water in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth there was evening and there was morning and there was a fifth day and God said let the lamb produce living creatures according to their kinds cattle creeping things and wild animals according to its kind and it was so and God made the wild animals according to their kinds the cattle according to their kinds and all the creatures that creep along the ground according to their kinds and God said that it was good and then God said let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth and God created humankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them and God blessed them and said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground and then God said I now I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it and it will be food for you to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air and to all creatures that move on the ground everything that has breath of life into it I give I give every green plant for food and it was so and God saw that all that he was made that it was very good and then there was evening and there was 
morning. And when the heavens and the earth were completed, and with everything that was in them, by the seventh day, God finished the work that he had been doing. And he ceased on the seventh day all the work that he had been doing. And God bless the seventh day. And he said, it's holy. Because he had ceased from all the work that he had been doing in creation.
always in our weakness so you are made strong oh we believe we believe righteousness of the sun we believe we believe oh, righteousness of the sun we believe we believe close What do you say, what do you say about us? We believe, we believe. Bring captive the thoughts of your mind. Till his kingdom is all that resides. You are blameless and pure of heart. Because of what our big brother bought. He paid all, he paid all. a hill we've called reality. 
but it's only a deception to keep us earthly, to keep us earthly. We are invited to the heavenlies. If we just believe what our groom is saying, what are you saying? You are the bride of Christ, washed in his blood and made righteous. You're invited to actual reality. Not here, not here on this plane. But above. Oh, don't be stopped by what you think is reality. It's not, it's not. Oh, we are invited to the heavenlies, to the heavenlies. Come on, let's go up. Come on, let's go up and see our God. Our God. Oh, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. See our God. See our God. The Father's waiting. sons and daughters he's waiting oh he's waiting oh he's waiting come on let's go out see our God wash your hands and accept his blood He's waiting, he's waiting. Come on, come on, let's go out. He's waiting, he's
Open up the doors, turn the lights on, hear a love song, pick it up again. I'm an outlaw, running from you, come arrest me, hey, I surrender to you. slay me I will trust you I will trust you oh good good God though you slay me I will trust you I will trust you oh king oh king though you slay me I will trust you I will trust you
is to be feared and he is to be loved. Such awe and reverence, but such freedom to sit on your lap. Such love that burns away, it burns away and won't leave us a wreck. No, 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 you come, you come, you come, you come, you come, you come, and you keep coming like the dark. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. However, in the future I will allure her, and I will lead her back into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. From there I will give back her vineyards to her, and I'll turn the valley of trouble into an opportunity for hope. There she will sing as she did when she was young and when she came up 
out of the land of Egypt. At that time, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and you will never again call me my master. For I will remove the names of the Baal idols from your lips so that you will never again utter their names. At this time, I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals and the birds of the air and the creatures that crawl on the ground and I will abolish the warrior's bow and sword. That is, I will abolish every weapon of warfare from the land and I will allow you to live securely. The Lord says I've committed myself to you forever. And I commit myself to you in righteousness and justice, in steadfast love and tender compassion. I commit myself to you in faithfulness. Then you will acknowledge the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord this morning. I commit myself to you forever. And I commit myself to put you in righteousness and justice. I commit myself to make you steadfast in love and give you tender compassion. I commit myself to you in faithfulness. Then you will acknowledge I'm the Lord.
Listen to this word, because I'm sure that you can sense the atmosphere, but listen to this word. This is the original word that came to me this morning. Before I went into that passage, I just went into it. I want you to hear this, because it's really important. It comes out of Isaiah 52. The prophet is like, with exclamation mark points, saying this. He says, wake up, wake up and clothe yourself in, clothe yourself with strength, old Zion. Right now, put on, and maybe you can imagine, this is what I was having to imagine with the Lord this morning. Imagine this, that you're putting on your beautiful clothing. He says, Old Jerusalem, you the holy city. For uncircumcised and unclean pagans will no longer invade you. But but listen to this. This is what he really like highlighted to me because it comes out of last week's message about captivity. He says that you must uh, Shake off the dirt. That means to like, like maybe, maybe you have to do this this morning. I don't know if you need to literally do this, but like, like shake off the dirt. All right, do a little shaking. and I, we've joked before, you say, well, you shake on it, and then we go to shake, and she does like this. I mean, maybe you just need to do, like, shake off the dirt. Now, to shake off the dirt, you got to stand up. And I think this is important, because in the very next thing, he says, get up, captive. He tells you to get up. And um, this really spoke to me, because last week, he told me, tell my people you're no longer in exile. That means you're no longer a captive. And I was looking at this, and when you read this in the Hebrew, it was a word that we had back at X2M90, where Abram and Sarah, and I think you remember this, they were uh, Yasheb, or they were sitting in the threshold, waiting for the promise of the Father. And remember, the, I believe the Trinitarian Godhead showed up to them. And he was sitting down, or Yashev, remember this? He was sitting there in the threshold. 
an end, but you'll notice that he's going to end up standing up to serve the triune God. And he's going to uh, feed them. He's going to tell Sarah, hey, make something for them. Get something ready and because they're ready to show up. And so there they are, and then he begins to stand. Listen to what it says that this word means in the Hebrew when he says, get up captive. Listen. Take your throne. Take your throne. And now I want to tell you, and I, I've learned this with the Lord. There, sometimes you're supposed to sit there and wait, but then there's a moment. And a lot of times in our posture in our Christianity, we're waiting on God to act before we do. But God would have us this morning to act now. So he says, up into the heavens, rise, rise church, rise and climb up into the heavens where there's light. I've been sitting in the dirt. Up into the heavens we climb. And let your, yourself soar up where you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. You want to talk about where the breach is sealed? It's when you rise up out of the dirt and out of the, the circumstance of your life. You just go up, go up. nothing. You will not be redeemed by money. 
this is what the sovereign Lord says. In the beginning, my people went to live temporarily in Egypt. Assyria oppressed them for no good reason. And now, what do we have here? Says the Lord. Indeed, my people have been carried away for nothing. And those who rule over them have been taunting them, says the Lord. And my name has been constantly slandered all day long. For this reason, my people will know my name. And for this reason, they will know at that time that I am the one who says, here I am.
child of light I am what you say I am 
very considerate here at this point in this service. The Holy Spirit, I caught a glimpse of him. He moves fast like light. But I've caught a glimpse in my mind's eye over here. And I know he can go wherever he pleases. But he pleases to go to the place he said where he's wanted. It's just an invitation. He's, he's granting an invitation right now. And I don't want to miss this moment because out of a transition when God himself is laying off the edge and saying, if you'll just ask me, if you want me more than you want anything else, I'll come.
Amen. Good morning. <laughs> or actually, good afternoon. <laughs> oh. Well, let's launch out into the text this morning. I am really excited about today. The Lord gave me a two-day up on Christology, the section that we're in. You know, I don't know if I've... Maybe I need to make clear what's happening, but we're going through a 20-week series with 10 components of Jesus's Christology and 10 aspects of his humanity which in his anthropology. And so we're in the, the fourth iteration of that. Now, I, I want to share with you that usually I don't know about the aspect of the Christological feature until after our services on Sunday. I've been, I wish that I could share all, everything with you. It has really been amazing because the Holy Spirit has told me to preach certain texts. And then I'll go and he'll tell me to review them after the, our events. And then I'll go to review them. And on the Christological side, there's always a Greek word that matches, that starts with the letter pi or phi. And it's always there in the text. And without going through every detail, as we've been here, the first, the first week we started in X2M91, uh, the first word was prototokos. And that means the firstborn. And then out of the firstborn in the anthropological match to that, the following week, and you may remember this, was a pardon. And so uh, the Lord pardons our sin and our debts in our human aspect because uh, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. And so this Christology is for us because you remember that Paul will write Christ in us, what? The hope of glory. And so Christ is not Jesus's last name. You know, like Todd or Scroggs or, you know, Gross. He's, that's not his last name. Christ or Christology is an installation that he means to put on you. Yeah. I want you to think about that. Meditate on that. It's really, I'll be honest, I don't think, even as a preacher of the gospel, that I had any idea of what Jesus had purchased in the aspect of his Christology to install on our soul. But he wants to basically give you the ultimate upgrade. Uh, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, ever living to intercede on our behalf with this understanding that when the gospel is preached, the gospel of Christ, and that was what Paul was preaching, the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. When he was preaching that, he was transmitting out of him to the Gentiles this full-orbed Christology. That's what was going on. So this is what's technically called in the Greek the kerygma. And it only comes out of the apostolic office or the prophetic office. It does not come out of the evangelist. 
The technical word there would be euangelion or euangelizo. This is for salvation or out of the pastor, which is homileia. And so when a pastor ministers, he ministers in a technical Greek that comes out of his mouth is uh, homileia. And then out of the teacher comes something that is called didache. And so it's for the teaching for the saints. But out of the apostle and the prophet comes the kerygma. And the kerygma is the uh, message of Jesus' Christology. And uh, when Kara and I, when I left the Air Force 18 years ago to start this path of pioneering, uh, later on to find out is for the glorification of man, you know, pioneer for a glorified body. I remember it was one evening we were in the little house on the mountain there in Saluda, and uh, I saw this blue, like now I know what it's called, the double helix, which I, I'm using that language for this Christology and anthropology. I saw this double helix, and it was coming out of my mouth, and it was glowing like it was electrifying, but it, it had a bluish glow, and it was like the picture of a double helix, I'll find out later, like, uh, I guess, like a DNA or an RNA. And I had no idea what it was. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me at, at our little house. And he says to me, I'm going to union myself with mankind. And I'm going to basically restructure their soul and give them my whole blueprint. And I, I, I mean, I was three months in, Karen and I are, the world I was in it was jet set and, you know, wanted to fly jet aircraft. Wanted, I was in the middle of all that. And so when I saw this, it was so new to me. And I, I've got to tell you, after 18 years, the double helix is unraveling here in the midst of this pavilion. And the Lord is finally out of Shabbat Shalom, out of rest. Is that what he had to do with me is finally get me where I just quit wrestling with him and trying to do something and being guilt-ridden and shame-based and receive the, this gospel message to expound it. But when this double helix completes October the 30th, oh, it's on! It is, I mean... The powers of the air, it says angels long to look into this. It is on. Because he's, he's going to give his 10-aspect Christology to his people in the fullness of what he had paid the price for at Mount Calvary in our generation. And it is going to be the RNA or the of the soul, the expression of, the true expression of who he has given to his people in the end times, which will be the necessary mechanism for the upfit of the ages, the glorification of men. There's no counseling. I'm not against counseling. There is no pedigree. There's nothing that can give this. And God ordained it. To manifest in the end times, Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the earth, and then the end will come. And he's sitting here unpacking the double helix in our midst. 
And so there is a receiving that you're receiving. And I, you know, I pray for, I say, Lord, let the mark of this Christology be marked in the people that are here. And let you be marked with this and see literal change in your life. And that's why I do a lot of like um, interviews with people. What's going on with you? Are you experiencing Jesus? Are you experiencing a new aspect of him in your life? And uh, thankfully, I do see a lot more smiles. <laughs> and I have seen a lot more bright eyes. And I have seen a believing in who he is. I said, they're trusting you, Lord. They're trusting you again and again and again. And you are. And I've seen healing. And I've seen family restoration. And it must be because we, we don't preach uh, some kind of message that doesn't have teeth to it in the sense of our humanity. Because what would Christology be without an anthropological body to put it into? I, I read this by a scholar this last week that the logos, the word, without a body is not necessarily divine. God needs a body. God intended to put his logos into his people and bring it into an anthropological us. So we went prototokos pardon. And then we got into phino, which means an appearing like an epiphany or a theophany. And out of that came perpetuity. And then... Oh, my Lord, two weeks ago, prosopon. You know, I'm saying this, I'm recording it. I wanted this recorded intentionally, and I've put the notes out to your Facebook so you can look at this. If you'll go in and click in those notes, you'll see all my notes that I'm building in the background of what's going on because there's like a sub-sub-prophetic. But that you would, man, when I got into the prosopon after a couple weeks ago, oh, my goodness argued in the early church a christological word I, I didn't even know i didn't even know it was a christological word but it has to do with your persona and those guys were arguing about this because they were saying that jesus had two hypostases and this one guy he's going to argue and say no it's a prosopon of the hypostasis of christ and you say i don't have a clue what you mean carol well let me share with what it is as I shared this back at X2M88, that when God made your soul, he put a pattern inside of it. And that pattern has eight points to it. When you look at it, it spells Melchizedek. That is what's called hypostasis. When it speaks of Jesus' essence, it's speaking of, listen, an interface between the divine and the human. When we use the word technically hypostasis, what we're saying is, there's a way for you to interface with God. That hypostasis became corrupted because of sin and was corroded, like the contacts. If you had eight points of contact, they were corroded. They're actually meant to be gold or are gold, but they've been corroded and darkness has come all around them to stop the divine human interchange. It took me 17 years of pioneering to find that pattern. It's the same pattern that Moses found in Exodus 26.30, when the Lord says, set up the Mishkan, or tabernacle, the temple, according to the pattern which is revealed to you on the mountain. He goes, for 40 years, he finds the pattern. He goes to deliver it to God's people, set them free out of 
out of their excellent condition. Later on, you'll see it also in Hebrews 8, 5. According to the pattern which was revealed to him on the mountain, that pattern is the pattern of the human divine interface or intraface. It's a way for God to interface with you. But what blew me away, because I, after 17 years, I remember I was pulling up in our driveway in Saluda, and I said, Kara, I found it. I can see it. It's on a black cube in reverse gold letters. It says Melchizedek. She looked over at me like, we're just trying to get home tonight. And, you know, I mean, what are you talking about? I was like, 17 years, and I, the revelation came, and I saw it. You know, Mim, Lamikov, Yod, the Dagish, and then it goes on to spell Melchizedek. And I saw that God had framed a human being with this order. And then I find out, if you turn it up on its end, he said, twist the letters, and it said, showed me Milky Way. And I said, oh, he said, you discovered the pattern that I created a human soul with for an interface and what I created the whole cosmos with. And I said, oh, God, this is the greatest discovery. So when we got up to Prosopon two weeks ago, well, listen to this. Prosopon is the Greek word for persona. Anybody ever lived out a false persona? You ever, like, tried to be somebody else or act like someone else and not your true self? Have you ever dealt with feeling like you're unaccepted in your true identity? Have you ever felt even amazing being somebody else's identity? <laughs> that, that was... <laughs> some of us are arrogant. Some of us are not. But we're both arrogant when we've lived out of a prosopon or a persona that is not the one that the Lord ID'd for you. So when I found prosopon was of the hypostasis, I said, oh, man. What is that? He said, I have a persona for each person that flows out of divine human interchange. It makes you essentially you so that you're no more disconnected from who you are or who I am in you, but you're just like you would be. Because God is not going to accept another persona of you than the one that he created you to be. And if you've been going through life and you've been trying to adjust yourself to someone else's view of your personhood, you know that it is extremely painful. And many people block and cover and put up all these blocks because they're like, you don't know my true essential self. And it creates so much conflict and difficulty with people. Imagine this. That your hypostasis, your divine pattern has been fully restored so that you have a divine human fully functioning interface. And out of that flows Christ in you. You have different fingerprints, a different face, a different personality, a different ideas about things. But what about if the fullness of Christ in you looks exactly like who you are essentially created to be by him? What happens when all that other false self isn't there anymore and you awaken to who you really are in Christ. <laughs> a galactic progeny, Stephen? Yes. 
the sons and daughters of the heavens, born from above. What's interesting is the anthropology, which was last week, the word was prominence. Think about that. We think by relinquishing our rights to Jesus that we're going to lose something of the self. But when you lose everything for his sake in the gospel, you find your real persona and the prominence that you've so desired will always come. You know why? Because you're essentially you. You're Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, people are fighting to be seen and be known. You don't have to anymore because you're you. Have you ever been around someone that you know is a divided self? Some people have compassion on that person. Some people make fun of them. They, they poke at them or they get irritated with them because they're like, you know, you're not really who you are. And, and we don't like it. Some people don't like it. Some people's like, bless her heart or bless his heart. <laughs> and they insult them. Why? Because they're not essentially themselves. Well, I was given the P word today ahead of time. And I want to turn to it this morning in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And introduce the text starting at uh, 14. Paul is going to introduce his apostolic ministry. He's coming to a, a realization and, you know, he's going to say this. He's, he knows who he is. He had his own prosopon moment he's going to finally accept this is who i am i'm under divine mandate uh, i find out interestingly enough it's a little self-reflection that it was 17 years for paul 14 years and then another three that it took for the uh, that he's going to come in to write fellowship with the other apostolic band right and he's accepting who he is and in this passage here in 2 Corinthians uh, 2 and moving into 3, what's going to happen is he's going to say, I don't even need any of your letters of recommendation. After this passage I'm in today, he's going to get in and say, I don't need your recommendation letters. I don't need you to sign my book. I don't need anybody else to qualify me. I know who I am. And it's out of Paul knowing who he is that he's going to proclaim this to Corinthians 2. He's going to proclaim it with confidence. And I believe that you're going to see today why, although we may enjoy this, that you don't necessarily have to have a pat on the back, even though you might receive one. You don't have to have someone else come up and uh, congratulate you. You don't need someone else to give you a letter of recommendation, even though that may be okay. But you don't need that anymore because when Christ has manifest his life in you, no one else can speak or do anything greater for you than he does for you. No one will ever be able to qualify anything greater in your life than himself. And the Lord wants to bring us to a being known by him like that. He wants you to be known by him. Remember Matthew 7, he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, what? I didn't know you. 
Well, we knew you, Lord. I don't know you. God wants you to know that he knows. And I'm going to tell you, no one can give you a prophetic word that's greater than the word that he will uh, move on the human spirit when he makes himself known to you. No one can. Now, God may send someone to do that. But no one, no one can stabilize you ever like the very logos of God in you. And so we don't have to pander for attention. We don't need someone to do all that for us, even though, again, it's okay if someone does. But you don't need it because he's everything. And the Lord wants this so deeply to resonate inside of us. You're going to need this for the end times. You're going to need him at your center at the center of your very being when you stand and testify of him in the latter times and no one else can stand for you, but you will have to stand on your own two feet because, and you'll see it in the text today, we will give an account at his appearing. Look at Paul's apostolic ministry. Starting in verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Jesus, what's it say? Christos. Now, I need you to pay attention to this. I need you to pay attention to the usage of the word Christos in your Bible. It's very important. It's been highlighted to me like, a, like my eyes have been opened as a preacher. He says that I'm always processing into a place of triumph. Always. I am uh, always walking in victory. Oh, really, Paul? 40 minus 1? Stoned? Really? Shipwrecked? Bit by snake? I thank God because the leadership of the Holy Spirit... When I follow him, I'm always going to triumph. I'm always in triumph. But in who? In Christ. This Christology that Paul was preaching had caused a triumphal procession to happen in his life. That he's the one who could say, rejoice. Again, I say, oh man, I know you felt vacancy in the worship this morning. And yet God would say, you're in triumphal procession. I'm always going to be led in Christ to a place of triumph. Always. Why? Because the enemy's trying to discourage you, get you in dismay, flatten line you, take you into some other train of thinking. Look at your circumstances. He said no. And if Paul was any, if any Christian, besides the Lord himself, was taking heat, this man was taking heat like nobody's business. And yet he says, I'm always led to triumph. Why? Because I'm in Christ. I'm in, in Christos. Who makes known? This word here, known, another translation with that, who makes manifest. Through us. 
the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place. We are the sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one who is perishing, he says, I'm an odor. <laughs> I smell stinky to them. My life causes them to go from death to death. But to the former, it goes from life to life. I want to say, I realize after going through four years of almost complete darkness, and the Lord said, I'm as near to you as I've ever been. I was like, really? I feel like I'm going, I'm going to die. He said, right. You are dying to yourself because that's how much of you is not like me. That darkness you're experiencing of your soul is because I'm actually near. It would make you feel vacant, left high and dry. I was staring at walls sometimes for two to three hours. Couldn't snap out of it. Now, I don't know if you've been through wrong bouts of this or had to struggle with this, but when the knowledge of the man Jesus Christ comes close to us, it can lead from death to death. And I, I remember when the Lord told me, he's like, you're going to change your outfit from all black to all white. Because I'll keep coming near so much, coming near to you that eventually... It must manifest, I must manifest light because I am light. And so the darkness has to flee. There can be no more darkness. You ever been with someone else and they're just kind of like, stop judging me. <laughs> and you haven't even said anything. You ever had someone just block you at every turn? They have an objection to everything. Do you know what's happening when that happens? It's death. Because life, the Christ's life in you makes the person who's not wanting to submit to that life feel like it's death. I like how he uses language. He said it's a fragrance that leads to life. Every time the Holy Spirit begins to show up in these events with us, he says, just take a deep breath. Breathe me in. I'm right here. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to move into somebody else's ideas that are in this distraction that happens with us. I want to get all my energy. I want to direct all my energy towards breathing him in the fragrance of God, the aroma of God. Because that's where real life comes from. He goes on and says, and I love this, Paul, Paul feels the humility of his apostolic ministry and he says, who is adequate for these things? If you feel dependent, you should. You should. 
If you feel like I can't do that, you're right. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, last week, it's not, it's not so much having the button or the, now the button has been broken or it can't, so it can't be pushed. Now it's broken. Now the button's gone. When the button is gone. I mean, thank God for an illustration. Who dwells there? Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? When the eye is removed, who is adequate? No who is. Except one. The Christ in you. Let me tell you, if you're getting your button pushed, that's because it's still there. If someone's broke your achy, breaky heart, <laughs> it's because the button is still there. But what happens when the button's gone? Do you see? Oh. Who dwells where the button is gone? Don't go try to sew that button back on. That's what I've been doing. I was like, Lord, he's like, I took the thing away. And you're going to try to get someone or yourself to sew the thing back on. Do you really want to have your buttons pushed? Do you really want to have your heart broke again? How about if you just let the button be gone and let me dwell there? You know, you've all heard of like being triggered. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what that was, but some years ago someone said, oh, you're being triggered. I was like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> or if something else has seemed like a nick in your soul and someone hits it and it, you go, oh. do you know what I'm talking about? Kara, this last week, she stepped on this bug. I've never heard a sound like that in my life. It's like, <laughs> the bug, she stepped on a bug, and I said, I wish I'd have had it recorded. I'd have played it for you. It's hilarious. But when things are causing you to react, what if everything's hitting you and coming at you, and all you have is Christ? What if you have, all you have is to be known by him? What if your button is so gone it can't be pushed? What if it's been so broken it's been obliterated? You think that God would not want that for you? Oh, he's after that. To install himself in you. Prosopon, welcome to the true persona. So he said, I'm not sufficient for these things. And then he goes on to this, and I, I really like this. And I'm not even like so many others who peddle the word of God for profit. <laughs> I was like, that thing right there, that'll speak. That'll speak to the whole Christian church right there and the whole leadership of the church. I won't be found trying to make a profit off of this Christology in the least bit. I will not manipulate or control God's people. You know why? Because you still have a button in you if you're doing that. 
No, because what? God wants voluntary lovers. And he can't have an apostolic ministry that isn't modeling voluntary love because it would be transmitting something other than Christ in us, the hope of glory, and be trying to place it in there for profit. And Paul says, I won't even do that. He says right now in this text, I'm speaking in Christ before God as a person of complete sincerity. I'm one that is sent from God. I'm a prosopon or a person. I'm a persona that has come out of the heavens and I'm interacting with you. Because your true persona is born out of the heavens. Listen to this, Titus chapter 1, verse 3. And at the proper time, he manifested. This is this word today. Fanny wrote. This is the technical Greek word. He manifested in his word. He was manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. If someone tells you, and I've heard this in the church before, we don't need preaching, don't you listen to that. Now, I understand we may not need preaching in some other form, but we need preaching of Christ himself in fullness. We need that more than anything. And he says that his manifestation, it's the same word that's being used here, when Christ is made known in 2 Corinthians 2.14, comes by the preaching of the gospel of Christ. In Mark chapter 4, verse 22, it says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything kept secret except that it's going to come to light. Second Corinthians 5.10 For we must all manifest. Fanny wrote, We must all appear. Do you know where? At the judgment seat of Christ. Let this just go into you. We must, you and I, must all manifest at the judgment seat so that each one will receive what is due and what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. When the judgment seat of Christ comes, it's, it's coming. When we, you appear, you're going to manifest what's in you is going to be manifest at that seat. And what looks like him is what you want. Let me tell you, when you come before the judgment seat of Christ, you want to look just like him. Because there is enough witness in the testimony of Scripture to deal with that which does not look like him. And it is not something that will be pleasant for many people. Many, it says. Many. I got excited about this because I said, Lord, if you're bringing this out in preaching, 
which is not just in preaching because the Lord said, I'm installing this on my people, that they would manifest me that you would look just like him. You want his full Christology. You want all ten aspects of who he is. You want this in your human body now. Because when you stand before the judgment seat, you want what's manifest, which is light from you, to proceed out of you. And he says, that looks just like me. I know you. Because you know what? Everything else has to burn. You, listen, when we're in these worship meetings, don't, don't sit there and play around. When, when I, if, if I make a call and I say, the Holy Spirit's showing up, don't you fidget play around with your soul you take that moment and the Holy Spirit's come near us in the tabernacle of the Lord and let fire burn you want him to burn hot on your consciousness and hot on your soul you want all that you can have out of him because one day we're going to stand before him there should be a million people right here right now under this sermon 10 million So many people are going to stand before them. They're going to miss the burn meetings. They didn't have any oil. So it ignited a flame so the wind of God could come and blow out the subconsciousness of sin. So there would be no more consciousness of sin. This is one of the greatest privileges you will ever sit in and under. It's when the Holy Spirit himself decides to come and set a flame to your human soul so that he can burn out the dross. I don't care how bad it feels. I don't care how bad, how bad you feel exposed or vacated or anything. It's God. You want him to want you. I love this one. When Christ, who is your life? Colossians 3, 4. Christ, Christos, who is your life, appears, manifests, Fanny wrote, when he manifests, then you also, listen, will manifest with him in glory. Do you understand? If Christ manifests himself here, then you also manifest Christ's glory. So that when you go before the judgment seat of Christ, what do you manifest? Christ's glory. And the Lord says, enter into my rest, you good, faithful servant. You've done well. You trusted me. Listen to, listen to 1 Timothy 3.16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Uh, one time last year, Austin Harris, he came up to me, he says, I had no idea. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase you, Austin, and if it's wrong, you can correct me, but I had no idea that there was all this involved in with the Lord. Uh, he said something to the extent that I wish I'd have known. The bar has been set so high. 
Everyone else was trying to like flatline it. Try to get more people to show up. I had no idea that all this was involved in the Lord. Paul's going to say it like this, Austin. Great is the mystery of godliness. Great. It's a great mystery or mysterion. It's, it's great of what he had ordained for us through what Christ did. He says it here. He was manifested in the flesh. His Christology came into his anthropology. That was a great mystery, Paul said. He was vindicated by the Spirit. I was feeling it this morning. I was like, Lord, vindicate us. Please come. We don't want to dud. We need you. Vindicate us. Where is your vindication? When the Spirit shows up. There's your vindication. He was seen by angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. Taken up in glory. 2 Timothy 1.10 And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death. Oh, man. McManus and I was talking about this this week. The last enemy is what? Look, do you, do you see how important this manifestation of Christ is? The manifestation of Christ is the very thing that abolishes death. Now, there's an abolition movement right there. And he brings life and immortality to light through the gospel. Uh, when I read that, I said, oh, now it makes sense. You said pioneer for glorified body. Why? Because the gospel message would say that. Because the gospel message will bring light. And it will bring a path to immortality. It's right there in the text. I love this one. Hebrews 9, 26. Check this one out. I'm not generally speaking a topical preacher. I usually do expositional sermons, but today it's topical. And so it may sound different and be a little bit different, but the work is switch it up however way he wants, right? For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared, manifested once. <laughs> I pray you receive a revelation of this. Like I'm praying that I do. When Jesus manifested once, what does the text say? For all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I mean, that one text, you can eat on that text all your days. Hebrews 9, 26. How did he do it? He manifested himself. I tell you, when the button is gone, there's no more consciousness of sin. 
Because Christ himself is manifesting himself through your prosopon, your persona. I didn't say that you're without sin. I said there's no consciousness of sin. Let's be clear because later on in the first John's, to a person that says they're without sin, they're a liar and the truth's not in them. I didn't say that you're without sin. Let us be clear. I said there's no more consciousness of sin. Because that's what the text says. And if the text says it, the text is true. When Christ manifests himself in through your prosopon, your persona, where there's no more button to be broken, what do you have? You have righteousness. And he's put sin away by the sacrifice of himself once for all. <laughs> Let the devil chew on that. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd manifest appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I was, um, I was driving up 176 in a dream. I know I was in a sports car, which I was really happy about, by the way. <laughs> And I was rolling up 176 where General Electric is. Y'all know where that's at coming out of all the curves coming out of Saluda? General Electric was on my right. I tell this story in one of my podcasts, but you know how in a dream sometimes everything can suspend its motion and slow down? I don't know if that happens to you, but I was going really fast. I probably was doing at least over 120. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, that's against the law, by the way. But I was in a dream. And at my car slows down, there's this young girl. She's standing on the side of the road, and she's flipping this pencil, and she has this uh, phone in her hand. And I look at her, and I see that she is completely bored out of her ever-living mind. She's got her phone, but it's just not doing anything for her. And the boredom in her eyes is just so uh, evident to me. I knew that this millennial generation... And not to say just the millennials, X-Geners, whatever, baby boomers, whatever, had got so immersed into the tree of knowledge of good and evil to feed on it and have found such boredom. And it's trying to satiate their appetite on that phone. And I look at her, and I see that she's trying to satiate her appetite on that phone, and nothing is working for her. All of a sudden, a dream speeds back up. I'm probably back up at 120. And I'm zooming down 176, and I come up to a, there's a road sign there called Lamplighter. And before I get there, General Electric's on my right, and I'm passing by General Electric. I see seven lights in the uh, pitch black darkness. It's really late at night. It's probably, yeah, I don't know. It's after 1230. These seven lights are shining in the heavens, and I'm like, what are those? And they're kind of down kind of low cars zooming i'm sitting back like in a cockpit you know you know feeling so good probably have some music blaring or something you know and then all of a sudden i notice that there's seven lights or seven angels and i'm coming up on them really fast and they're like shining angels and then one of them he's got a crown in his head his hands 
and he takes that crown and he comes right through the car like the car doesn't even exist. And he puts that crown on my head. I wake up from my dream. And I said, Lord, what is that? He said, that's the incorruptible crown. I don't know if I had a wreck there and went on to glory or... (laughs) Got to be careful about crossing lamplighter at night. (laughs) I don't know what happened there, but I just know that a crown that's reserved in glory at the appearing of the Lord is reserved for us at the manifestation of Jesus Christ. An unfading crown. It puts a whole new spin on manifest destiny. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, I I said, how how do you apply this? What do I do? He said, just tell them to ask me. As as many who will receive, you give you the right to be called sons of God. You know, one of the things about the Holy Spirit, don't get too familiar with him. Don't get too familiar with God. All week I've been in this thing called the the otherness of God. I've been searching all week because the Holy Spirit's been highlighting to me his otherness. And yesterday, I kid you not, someone sends me an academic paper on the infinitude and the otherness of God. And the uh, the guy who's writing the paper, he said that Some people believe that God is infinite, but not distinct or other than. And some people believe that he's distinct, but he's not infinite. But we proclaim that God is both infinite and distinct. And that is his ID and that is to be yours do you know what's interesting about him being a distinct person is because we relate with other people a certain way but God doesn't necessarily relate to people the way we relate with one another And so many people think that God doesn't do that, that he doesn't have a particular way that he relates, but God himself relates a very particular way. He's distinct in the way that he relates. Because for God to be other than or distinct, he has to be outside of that which he created. That means everything that you can see and every person that you can see And everything that you relate to in our distinct way that God has chosen a certain way to relate to us. He's also infinite. And 
why does that matter? Because so many people think they've arrived. Do you know many of the churches are built off arrival points? I was saved, and they built a whole entire thing out of salvation. I was, I was healed, and they built a whole thing out of healing. What's happened is so many people have built a whole entire theologies out of redemption. And yet the God that we're interacting with, His glory is greater than our redemption. He's greater in and of Himself apart from us. And yet He has made Himself available to us. There'll never be an arrival point on God. Because he's eternal. When we're saying, Christ, manifest yourself in us, what he was showing me is, I want to manifest in you to some component in time and space my infinitude and my distinction. I want to give you an ID. I want to give you a sense of being that is transcendent and imminent. Our culture is railing against this. They're trying to flatline all the distinction. Have you not seen it? And if they're not doing that, they're building a life out of I've arrived. They set up our structures and our facilities and everything. They've got into an arrival motif. Mostly the right is into arrival. And the left is into flatlining distinctiveness. But the Lord said, I have the correction in myself. I'm infinitely distinct. You see, he's a God that's other than us. That's why we can't imagine what he's going to do or think out what he's going to say. That's why you'll, you'll hear me say, go blank slate with him. Don't imagine today that you got him figured out in the least bit. But if you'll wait on him, he'll appear to you. Maybe literally, but maybe like right in the middle of your own self, in the middle of what you're going through. And he would say to us, you've not arrived. Let me show you another aspect of my infinitude. And you don't have to flatline your distinctiveness to get it to be colored by what everybody else says you should look like when I am the distinctive one who has spoke something over you and your own persona for you to live out of. Listen, I'll tell you one of the hardest things I've ever found to do is to been able to just believe what he's saying, Christ is saying in me. And to take a stand for it and say, I'm not going to move off of my uh, position with you. You're a peculiar people. You've been brought out of what? Darkness into what? So for the left and for the right, the Lord said to me, he said, you've done a really good job of showing them what the red and the blue looks like and what it is not. Why not manifest me and who I am? 
that I'm infinitely other than. I'm distinct. And let this life be in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And let the fire burn of the uncreated God. Finding a life inside of your created being. And let the entry of the ages come into you with no presumption or diffidence, but just a humble communion with him who is God. Let him commune with you and take up his abode with you and let Christ fully dwell in you. And let the riches of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ be present in you. Jesus, manifest yourself in us. In the end of this age, no more subcultures in the church, but the culture, the culture of the kingdom. I want you to break agreement with anything in your life this morning that doesn't agree with what the Word of God says about you. I want you to come out of agreement. The Holy Spirit does. I want you to take old Zion and loosen the chains off your neck and break free. I will not be bound by somebody else's thought or my own concept, but I will allow you, Lord, to live your life freely in me. And light, light and immortality is ours. Light, break forth. Come out of darkness into the glorious light of the Savior's love. Set us. It's ready to rise, 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 rise. This immortality is taking over. Oh, death, where is your sting? Death's been swallowed up in victory.
till the morning star rises in our hearts. And like a nuclear explosion, he goes off in us. Great is the mystery of godliness. to deliver, Jesus wants to deliver his Christ nature into you to manifest his life through you. The revelation of light would come into you and then he would send forth light out of you. Can you, with me, believe? stars shine 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 break forth Lord shine out of us shine out of us it's not introspection together.
enemies do not gloat over me. Though I have fallen, I will get up. And though I've sat in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I've endured the Lord's anger, for I sinned against him. Then he will defend my cause and accomplish justice on my behalf. He leads me out into the light. And I've experienced firsthand his deliverance. When our enemies see this, they'll be covered with shame. And they will say, and they have said to me, Where is the Lord your God? And I will gloat over them. And they will be trampled down like mud in the streets. It will be for the day of the rebuilding of the walls of this nation. For in this day, and even now, I declare that the boundary is being extended in that day, in this day. You're raising up the church, Lord, raising up the ecclesia now. i 
broken. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me with confidence he is courageous in holiness he is life you're infinitely other than us Lord you're infinitely distinct your name Lord. I give you honor for you are do it all may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace amen